Hello, welcome to the debut episode of season two of Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast. Uh, I am here from New Hampshire, and with me in the state of Michigan usually, but is actually visiting a family in California. This is Eric. Eric, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Nice, very good. And in the state of New York. Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm fine, Phil. How are you? Doing, doing, doing well. Doing well. Uh, so this here uh, will be a weekly podcast to discuss season two of uh, the HBO television series Westworld, uh, developed and show run by uh, Jonathan Nolan and uh, co-scripted or co-created, I guess, by his wife Lisa Joy. Uh, the whole series is based on the original uh, movie and screenplay by the great and uh, past Michael Crichton. And uh, this here is the debut of a year and a half later from season one. Uh, So uh, that's pretty much all I got on that. Uh, Now, uh, uh, By the way, for anybody who's just tuning in, If you have not watched season one yet, please go do so before listening to this podcast, uh, because we will assume full knowledge of season one going forward. We we are going to spoil the shit out of this thing. That's right. That's right. As far as season one goes. That's right. And also, we do have uh, about 12 other episodes of this podcast where we discuss the original uh, film by Michael Crichton as well as season one, uh, where we talk about each episode and uh, each standalone uh, par- episode of the podcast. So, and, and, uh, and we also talk about the Westworld sequel, Future World, and we spend some time discussing the uh, sexy time Yul Brenner robot. Yes, that's right. That's right. And Peter Fonda and yes. all that good stuff. Um, so um, folks can uh, follow us um, on Twitter, uh, under Dark Discussions 1, um, under um, Facebook, under Dark Discussions Podcast. Uh, for folks who are confused, uh, Bullets, Brothels, and Bots is a spinoff to our uh, weekly podcast, Dark Discussions Podcast, which is a podcast that discusses genre film. Uh, and that's at www.darkdiscussions.com. However, you can follow Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast, two ways through uh, usual uh, spots such as Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play where you can either subscribe to Dark Discussions Podcast, which will get all the episodes of this podcast plus our Dark Discussions Podcast, or just search for Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast, and you can um, subscribe to that where you would only get the Westworld podcasts. And you can find us at www.darkdiscussions.com, and we accept emails at darkdiscussions at aol.com. Um, so, you, I'm sorry, did so, you also mention the Facebook group? I did, I did in passing. Okay. Uh, Dark Discussions Podcast is the Facebook group. And uh, people are already beginning to discuss stuff there. Uh, one of our listeners, Elizabeth Catherine Gray, who also does her own podcast. And what is that podcast, Mike? Uh, Archivist Bet on Sexy Witches. That's right. And that's a weekly podcast as well, uh, talking genre. And uh, she actually uh, has already uh, begun talking about uh, Westworld 
um, and um, will probably give us her opinions weekly like she did last uh, season, which uh, will be a, a good thing because it's always good to get other people's perspectives. Uh, we already do have one email for this podcast from one of our listeners, Sean Fox uh, of Canada, who uh, we will read that email near the end of this episode because I'm sure we'll have spoilers. And at this point, um, we're not talking spoilers. We'll talk spoilers, have that part of this podcast up. And then at the end, we'll read the email, which will probably reflect on some of the things we, we said. Uh, all right. So anything else anybody wanted to talk about general, uh, about uh, Westworld or anything related to robots and so forth? Well, uh, just I think we should give a quick recap of where things are to begin season two. All right. Go ahead, Eric. I think um, uh, you may have an idea already in your mind how you want to uh, go with that. <laughs> Uh, well, okay, uh, I didn't, but I'll do it now. I have full faith in you, Eric. <laughs> basically, uh, to begin season two, uh, basically the robot rebellion has begun. Uh, Dr. Robert Ford, uh, who is co-creator of the park, uh, has put something in motion which uh, allows some of the robots to gain consciousness. Uh, and he has put some other stuff in place uh, to cause them to start uh, fighting back. Uh, in the meantime, we find out that the character Bernard, uh, who we thought was a human for the majority of the season, is actually one of the hosts, even though he's working for Delos as one of the programmers. And he's having a little bit of trouble adjusting to the knowledge that he is a host. Uh, so he is a little uh, out of sorts uh, at the end of season one. And Dolores is one of the hosts that's uh, pretty much leading a rebellion, and she has, at the very end of season one, shot Dr. Ford in the head and killed him. At least it certainly appears that way. Uh, you never know with this show, but <laughs> it looks like Dr. Ford is dead. Uh, and since I don't see Anthony Hopkins' name in the credits for season two, I'm assuming that's actually what happened. Uh, meanwhile, the board of directors of Delos uh, has been trying to get the information that Dr. Ford was keeping secret about how the hosts operate uh, and smuggling it out of the park. Uh, and most of the board of the directors is there in the park when rebellion begins. Uh, so they're there when the bullets start flying. And another one of our main characters from season one, the man in black, uh, who has always wanted the stakes to be real in Westworld, is very, very happy when he gets shot in the arm uh, because he now realizes that the stakes are indeed real, and this is exactly what he wants. Uh, have I forgotten any of our main characters? Maeve. Maeve, of course. Uh, Maeve is another one of the hosts that is uh, leading a rebellion, the end of season one, she is trying to escape, uh, and her plan actually gets executed flawlessly, and she's on the train to be able to uh, leave Westworld and go into the real world, uh, but stops and goes back, uh, because in a previous storyline, she had a daughter, and she goes back to find her daughter, even though she has been told that's not actually her daughter, it's just some other robot they programmed in a storyline to be her daughter. She doesn't care. She's going back for her. So Maeve is headed back into the park to find her daughter from the previous storyline. 
Yeah, I think uh, those those are the the key points, and we're we're left off now. Uh, there were some other characters of note, um, but they're mostly related to these storylines. Um, so um, they're more uh, part of their umbrella of each of the storylines that you mentioned, Eric. And I guess they don't have to be mentioned individually, except when we discuss some of those storylines. Uh, as we go forward through the podcast. Um, Mike, anything that you wanted to add? Uh, just quickly, um, I don't know, Eric, you did this too. We uh, rewatched the first season uh, about two weeks ago. Yes. Um, to refresh my memory, and we liked the series back when it first aired. There were some episodes in the early middle, like I think like episodes three, four, five, I was thinking where we were a little frustrated by it, uh, but on rewatch, I think there's a lot of the show, the show plays differently on a second time through. Once you find out everything that's going on, once you see all the puzzle pieces in place, uh, hats off to the uh, so-called Red Bull Reddit Redditors, as you like to call them, uh, the people on Reddit who kind of figured out the whole game. Because this is not a series that advertised that there was a mystery. It wasn't something like Lost, uh, where you know there are big neon signs saying mystery, mystery, mystery. Um, they were very subtle about the way they wove in a mystery to the story, a puzzle to figure out. And some people on Reddit figured it out that you were dealing with multiple timelines. Um, <clears throat> and everything kind of dovetails very nicely that things like Bernard being a host. Uh, and a big theme in the first season, uh, they keep repeating uh, in a couple of scenes a line from, I don't remember if it's Through the Looking Glass or uh, Alice in Wonderland, which is that everything would be, if, it, if I could run the world, everything would be what it isn't and nothing would be what it is. Or nothing would be what it is and everything would be what it isn't. And that really does a good job of describing how they continually upend our expectations in the first story. Uh, the Man in Black is a really good example of that. You know, when they first announced Yul Bre- oh, not Yul Brenner, <laughs> Ed Harris as the Man in Black, everyone assumed he'd be playing uh, the Yul Brenner character, right? An older white male with, you know, hair issues, uh, bald white male, uh, as, as a cowboy in black. Well, that sure as hell sounds like the Yul Brenner character. And so they first upend your expectations by showing you uh, that he's a... Uh, he's actually one of the, the humans in the world, as opposed to the prime uh, prime robot villain. And then, you know, later they upend that even further as you find out he's uh, on the board of directors. He's actually the owner of the park. And just when you're convinced he's a massive ass- asshole, we find out that he's actually something of a philanthropist and he's helped save lives out in the real world. Um he has a rivalry with Ford, or they seem to have some antagonism when they meet, but it turns out by the end of the, the, the first season, we find out they've both been working towards the same goal because they both want the hosts to gain sentience, albeit for different reasons. You know, so you know, they, they're continuing upending expectations there. And, of course, we find out that the real man in black here is probably now arguably uh, Dolores, right? Because she becomes the robot who turns against the humans and destroys everyone. So everyone's looking in that very first scene from the first season 
as Ed Harris to be the man in black when in fact the man in black was the woman in black or really the woman in blue. So just constantly sort of upending what we were expecting, what we were anticipating, and you know, even with May becoming the first truly sentient robot as opposed to Dolores. So uh, I'm curious where they're going because now everyone's going to be looking for the game, right? Everyone's going to be looking for the puzzle where we weren't necessarily looking for it the first time around. Yeah, and when you say... Well, and they kind of exposed part of the puzzle in the first episode. Yeah. Um, so let's throw a spoiler flag and get into it. Yeah, don't worry, the game will find you. Right, okay. So now, Mike, when you say um, um, the puzzle, you mean um, the, uh, the trick narrative of the show, in a sense. In other words, people, meaning us, the viewers or specifically the Red Bull and Reddit folk, are going to be trying to figure out things within the story that may change the timeline or alter reality, what's a dream, what's not, and on and on. And right. so they're going to be looking for that. Yeah, absolutely. And the first uh, thing we see, as in the first season, the first season we started with a conversation between Dolores and, well, depending on who you ask, uh, it was either Arnold or Bernard or herself um and we start the same way out in this season except now the tables are sort of turned it feels more like she's questioning bernard than bernard is questioning her and she's uh and he's the one that's he and it's certainly the focus is much more on him and one of the things she asks is you know you know what is real what is reality and i have a feeling that's going to be one of the uh overarching themes of this season well, and I did appreciate the fact that uh, that first scene where there's this conversation between the two of them, that dialogue was most of what was used in the season two trailer. So they didn't give a whole lot away uh, with the dialogue because it was mostly from that first scene between the two of them. Oh, interesting. Yeah, see, I, I didn't watch any of the trailers prior to um, uh, the season start. Uh, more because I was just so busy, I never really bothered doing a search. Um, but uh, either way, oh, I, I didn't. I didn't search. It found me. Oh, okay. There you go. Um, well, that's that. That's what Ford said. You know that the game will find you. Well, th- this is this is uh, one thing I noticed right away about this episode, if not the season uh, as a whole so far, anyway, which is still only one episode, is the dialogue. Um, and it leads into it right, in, like I said, in this first scene, um, felt a bit pretentious and, exp- uh, if not expository, at least um, uh, poetic to the point of being unrealistic, in a sense. Um, a lot of Dolores's speech in this episode felt, I felt a little silly or taken aback by what she said. And then in this scene here, when um, Bernard answers her question and she says that it's not a good enough answer, his answer felt uh, pretentious as well. And, and um, unfortunately, I didn't write it down, but well, maybe one of you folks know what that answer was. But it, it just felt that I'm, I'm surprised that they didn't reread the script a little bit and say, you know what? Let's have them talk a little more realistic than this. But maybe I, just... I, I don't think that's 
changed from season one. I mean, yeah, the whole thing has been a little uh, stilted as far as the dialogue goes, but you have to remember that these are robots programmed to be in a world to entertain people visiting. So even though they have gained sentience, part of their basic programming is still these lines that were written by uh, what's-his-face, the douchebag that uh, we see later in the episode. So yeah, e- even even though they, they are are in control of their own actions at this point, their base programming still has some of the dialogue that's in there from from the storylines, and that actually is stated later by that same writer douchebag when Maeve delivers one of my favorite lines of the episode, and he goes, "I wrote that line for you." Uh, so even though they're they're in control of themselves, they're still delivering some pre-written dialogue. All right. right so when when you say it that way. Eric, then it makes a little more sense. Then, yeah, that's absolutely a good point. It isn't sloppy script writing after all, because the characters that I had problems with in their speech were all robots in the first place, meaning their language was written by a poor script writer, which happens to be, as you call the man, a douchebag. So I can't remember his real name, but I just think of him as the douchebag. Uh, But it makes more sense now that the language felt stilted, stupid, and maybe bad writing by Christopher Nolan and Lisa Joy, when in fact it was intentional that way because it was the robot well, characters I, saying it. I don't feel it was it's, it was stilted, yeah, I don't think it was it was bad dialogue. Um, I think, you're remembering this is a diagnostic test, is what has always been the case with these conversations. And they're trying not to directly confront uh, the illusion that these characters have, right? Because we know when they deal with things outside their basic programming, they get the doesn't-look-like-anything-to-me sort of response. So they're trying to add, to ask probing questions that aren't probing too much, and at the same time, that's within, within the world. And then with outside of the world, they're also trying to ask things or say things to give the audience clues without outright coming out and saying what it is they're saying. So yeah, that ends up getting a lot of sort of roundabout conversations as opposed to more direct speech um but this is picking it this is a pattern to these conversations that was there i think from the beginning so yeah okay yeah interesting all right you know what it is it's, it's you guys have, have rewatched season one within the past two weeks and i have not revisited it um so um what you folks have noticed more recently than me maybe that's that's exactly what it is um so, all right, so uh, um, this this first scene, it's like you said, uh, I think it was you, Eric, uh, a flip of the first scene from season one almost, right? Yeah. And obviously that's intentional, um, and I'm sure they knew, uh, the, you know, the, the folks that have been watching the show, a good portion of them are really detailed in, in studying the show, and, and they knew that um, a lot of folks would notice that that um, uh, mirror image of, of the first scene from season one. Um, all right, so where, where do we want to begin after that? Uh, um, actually, can, if we can just rewind for a second. Did you notice the new credits? Yes, um, I no. did. I did, yeah, it's, it's different, and, and the credits actually have water in it, right? And, and that It has one. water in it. There's a lot of changes in the imagery. It's very similar to the first season's credits. It's not a jarring difference, but it's it's definitely different. So 
like in the first season, they uh, focus a lot on, on the building of a horse, where here they're building a buffalo. Uh, they have what I'm not sure, I think it's supposed to be Dolores riding a horse in, in one of the, the images for it. Here they have uh, a, a female host cradling, cradling a child, which in this case I think is evoking Maeve and her search for her child. Um, the piano playing. Uh, in the first season, it's a robotic hand, like the first generation robots. Here, it's the uh, it's a it's the hand with like some of the skin and bone on it, right with the tissue. It's still a host's hand, but it's the the modern host. Um, I think even the the changing the symbol from the the horse to the buffalo because a horse is domesticated animal, sort of like the hosts were domesticated, and where the buffalo is. Uh, you know, is a wild animal, and you see it breaking through the glass in one scene in the opening credits. Uh, and it's also an interesting shot they have that I thought was kind of neat of the the black hat sort of floating through the water or through space or something, and turns into uh, a moon eclipsing the sun, which was just sort of a neat little thing. But uh, yeah, it was, they're, they're small changes, but I think ones that might fit some of the themes that are coming up for this season. Now. Um Last season, obviously, Anthony Hawkins was the big name, uh, though a lot of other actors in this film are, are, are fairly well known, for sure. Um, and some of them may become breakout stars in the next few years. Um, but who would you say was the lead character last year? Um, I, when, I, when I think about it, I, I always felt it was Dol- Dolores' character. And if that being the case, if if, uh, if my opinion is correct, then these credits with the change of it focusing now on Meve and a woman looking for a child, maybe maybe they're going to switch and, and have her as the main character. Uh, again, Well, here's, here's the thing. I don't feel that there is a main character. Yeah, they do a yeah. pretty good job of spreading out the storyline amongst uh, all of the characters. So there may be episodes was concentrated on one character more than another. But, I mean, uh, overall, I, I mean, so certainly there's a group of characters that are more impactful, uh, and they're the ones that I just threw out when talking about the storylines over season one. But I don't think any one of those was, quote-unquote, the main character. I think they were all the main characters. I think there were probably five main characters, if I'm counting correctly, which would be Bernard, Dolores... Uh, Maeve, maybe four. Oh, you know, uh, the Man in Black and William. Right, right. Those are the five. Those well, are the William, five. William was the Man in Black. Right, right. but those are the, those are the five storylines that we follow all season. Right. Well, there's right. also and, Ford. Well, but even Ford, you know, how much is he on his own storyline versus interacting with the storylines of others? Right. I okay. mean, how much how much I'll do we actually see him as the, as the primary character in his? We're finding out. Through what other, through how others see him, more often than not, not always. There are things like, you know, we see douchebag hitting on, uh, 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 what's her name, and the bar, the uh, Charlotte Hale. Hale, Charlotte Hale, yeah, Tessa um, Thompson's character. Right. So it's we don't see these things exclusively. So we followed a little bit with Elise and uh, Stubbs. You know, there are lesser storylines, but the five main storylines, those which I'd say are the five main characters, and I think in the end they all probably could deserve equal billing if I had to make an argument 
Uh, right now, it feels to me like Bernard is the main character. Uh, yeah, that's a good point too. Yeah, uh, but it's, and really, Bernard and Dolores in some way because they're really the two ends of this whole narrative arc. Although it's Bernard slash Arnold uh, that are doing it, but uh, they're all important. I don't think you, the, the story works with you know you take out any one of the pieces. I think that, you know in terms of a name, Anthony Hopkins was, was the name. He was the star. Uh, Ed Harris would have to be that right now, unless they hired somebody that I don't know about. So in season one, we had two different storylines going on, and it took a while to reveal itself that we were actually looking at two different timelines. They revealed it pretty quickly in the first episode of season two that they're still going to do dual timelines, but what we're looking at is the older timeline is from when, right after the last events we saw at the conclusion of season one, with the robot rebellion beginning. And then uh, fast forward two weeks uh, where there's a team of Delos people that come in and find Bernard on the beach and he wakes up and is kind of out of it and doesn't really remember a lot of what happened. So we're getting a Bernard current time confused uh, and we find out later in the episode malfunctioning. Uh, and then we also get flashbacks to what happened right after Dolores shot Dr. Ford. Now, um, I read that elsewhere too, Eric, that it was a two-week difference between the two timelines. Um, but yet I don't remember here, uh, seeing that in, in the episode itself. Uh, was it specifically I think they dropped, a li- they dropped a line right at the beginning when they found him on the beach. Right, well, they, they have that... Uh one host that's been killed and they cut his brain out to access oh, yeah. his memories. Yeah, and, American right, and when they're when they're playing back his memories, they say this was eleven days ago. And that's when we see him getting killed by Dolores. Now that means that he was killed eleven days ago. It doesn't mean that the rebellion started eleven days ago. Uh so you can throw in any you know, so I would but I don't think it felt like it was going on for like months. So I would say Two weeks probably is about the right timeline, give or take a day. Now, um, was it ever explained why Dolores killed some other host, including this Native American host? Uh, because obviously she has a vendetta um, against um, humans. But what made her decide to take out other hosts? Was it simply the fact that these other hosts were still playing the game and had it. Um, yeah, I'm assuming they were a threat to her. Yeah, somehow. Okay. Yeah, that's all I could think of as well. Um, now, I'm, I'm guessing that this is something that we'll be finding out more about as the season goes on because we're we're going to be filling in the blanks of what's happened over the past eleven days. Right. Um, and she makes a comment to him. Not everyone is destined to make it to uh, the Valley Beyond. Right. And then someone else makes a comment later in the episode also about the Valley Beyond. So I expect that to be something that comes up in future episodes and it might, you know, what the Valley Beyond is referring to, what Dolores' plan is besides just kill everybody. Right. Um, 
Well, let me ask you this, um, because in the original movie, and, we, and we've mentioned the Yule Brenner character a few times, um, some of that is related to more to uh, malfunction, I think, rather than uh, uh, becoming aware. And here, well, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And I, that's one thing I was thinking about while watching this episode, is that uh, the original Westworld was just, oh, uh, through a series of events, uh, the man in black's memory doesn't get wiped and remembers all the bad things that have happened to him and he's not going to take it anymore. Whereas this one, uh, remember having those, let me try that in English, (laughs) having those memories enables them to become sentient and then take action. So it's, it's a slightly more sophisticated version of what was in the original movie. Gotcha. Now that being the case, where these folk here, or at least it seems these folk here, meaning Dolores and whatnot, have a conscience to, or not a conscience, but it, but a process where they are, they believe they're making decisions uh, versus, say, the man in black who um, in the movie was just pissed and says, that's it, I'm not taking it anymore. Um, here, each character, robot character, has a chance to do a as they please, at least it appears. There could be a big twist where, uh, and it was kind of an allusion to that, where me um, may not be acting 100% based off of her own thought process because she's still repeating lines that were written for her and she's still going after a child that really is just another robot from a prior fake memory. But I don't believe that, by the way. Just weighing in on that. I think she's sentient. Okay, that's fair. Um, I'm well, I, I they, they may be throwing doubt purposely in the audience, so some people could read into that comment. Well, you, you, we've been through this many, many times with you before, so you're not going to buy the robots being sentient under any circumstances. Um, but you know, you can just as easily argue about the reality of human sentience, and they, I think I don't know if it's in, I, I don't remember if it's in the episode or if it was in one of the uh, extras on HBO Go. Um, where someone makes the comment that humans go through their own little patterns, right? We, we fall into our own patterns anyway. You know, think about the stuff, but just like, you know, Dolores went through her pattern of going to buy the milk every day and saying good morning to her father. We do that, right? Um, so, and with us from the state of Michigan is, oh, right. this is Eric. You know, it's, we, we all fall into that. So you, you could argue. I am you know, well. I am well. Right. How, how <laughs> conscious. I am well. Yeah, how conscious are we of I all don't see the thing here? Yeah, exactly. And how sentient are we? You know, is sentience our own illusion? And that's part of this. You know, in everything, every story, every character is about some facet of the writer, some facet of humanity that every writer is trying to explore. You know, and so even though they're robots, they're robots. They're using robots to explore the question of conscious and sentience. And I think the fact that this is being made in the year two thousand and 16, 17, 18, when artificial intelligence has, uh, and our relationship with the machinery has gone way beyond what it was back in 19, what was it, 1970, 68? Uh, 74, I think. Westworld was 74? Yeah, 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 because Crichton's first first book was 69, and and he didn't direct films until the 70s, yeah. All right, so 74. Um, so they take a little bit of a more sophisticated approach. I mean, you could argue if the robot is killing people because it feels bad, because of its bad memories, 
it's some very rudimentary form of sentience at the very least. Um, we we don't know what you know. You can we can debate how, over how sentient say Dolores really is. Maeve is the first Let's one. Let's not please. I'm saying Maeve is the first one that's gone through uh, within the perspective of the writing in this, not a philosophical thing. Maeve is the first one to have broken programming, or, or at least as far as we know. Right, that's one of the illusions that's set up for us in the first seasons that we think Maeve is do is violating her programming, and she finds out I think in episode nine or ten that in fact she's been following her programming all along. Which was programmed by Floyd for her to eventually figure it out or something. To, yeah. Right, to finally get her out of the park, and she's been programmed to leave the park, and so her decision to not leave the park seems to be the first truly willful act that she takes. Well, and and I want to dig into something a little bit here, which is that. I think it's really interesting that Maeve, when she discovers that she's a host, it doesn't doesn't go crazy uh, per se. Uh, she's she's upset and confused for a while, but then she rolls with it and eventually comes up with the scheme to uh, enhance herself and so on and so forth. Whereas Bernard, when he finds out he's a host, really kind of loses his shit. Uh, and is still having a lot of trouble dealing with that. But he was also shot in the head, I believe. Well, and yeah, that, that's a further complication, but even before he was shot in the head, he was having trouble dealing with it. Right, but the difference is that apparently Maeve was programmed to discover all of this. Right, by Ford. I know, right. and I, I, that's what I'm saying is very interesting. Right, where is, Ford... Is, is, is one of them is is designed to roll with it, the other ones is not. The one that isn't is really having trouble adapting. Right. In fact, if you remember, they do have this conversation with Ford where he says, "Well, this keeps happening. You know, we, we've been down this road before. You know, you keep gaining sentience, and I'm keep hoping you'll kind of come around to my way of view and my point of view, and you don't, and so we have to keep resetting you. So right. this this had happened before." Uh, and apparently has happened again. And who does Ford say that to? Was that to Bernard? He says that to Bernard. Yeah, that's right. Now, um, back to Dolores for a second, because that's where I was, I was eventually going to, um, is she obviously has uh, become a vengeful person, whether it's sociopathic or whether it's, it's honest anger, and she's overwhelmed with emotion and doesn't see... Um, what violence does or whatever, but it's also the typical uh, thought process of someone who stereotypes. In other, in other words, all individuals that are of, of this group are bad and must be killed. So if you're a human, it doesn't matter if you're directly responsible for the, I guess the pain and anger that she has, she hates you well, no matter what. I think that's still not 100% clear because everybody who's in the park at the time this goes down is responsible in one way or another. They're all board members. They've all been involved with the decisions of running the park, which includes, uh, from Dolores' point of view, enslaving the, the hosts. So, so even, there, though there was, even though even though she's about to execute them and they're begging for the lines saying we didn't do anything, really they kind of did do something. So uh, uh, I don't I don't think she's yet encountered a human that has not been involved. 
so you're saying that everybody that was in the park during the rebellion weren't paying customers. They were actually members of the company at a party. Uh, I, I believe everybody in that gathering was, uh, except for the man in black. I, I could be wrong, but okay. they, and, they, certainly, they certainly didn't point it out. Okay. Well, and even the man in black was... Uh, is an owner and CEO. That's true. That's true. He, um, he's financially invested in the place. Right. Now, they'll make the argument, well, we thought you were basically just dolls. We didn't know you you could become self-aware. Isn't going to be uh, a very particularly good argument to the host. It would be kind of like telling the slaves, well, we didn't think you were real people. We thought you were animals. It's like, well, oh, okay, so that excuses the way you treated us. Right. No, it's, no it doesn't. Well, fly. I, I, I don't necessarily know about that. It's similar to, like, two countries fighting in a war and the soldiers are doing it because that's what the government says or something happened between the two countries that pisses you off. But individually, each soldier of the enemy troop or each citizen of the enemy nation, should you hate as a person? No, I, try, I, you see what I'm saying? I understand what you're saying, Phil. I'm saying that we have not seen Dolores interact with a human who has not been part of the problem. So until we see that, we're not going to know. That's all I'm saying. Right. But I'm just trying to say that the problem, she may be having a a broader stroke of what a problem is versus someone that is more narrow, which would say, okay, it's really just these five people that are responsible. Mike, you want to say something? Right. So first of all, let's remember that as far as we know, Dolores is still following her programming. Yeah, that's true. So that's programmed to kill, to begin to kill. You're absolutely forward programmed to kill. You're right. Right. So we don't know, we don't know the degree of independent action she's taking. Number one, two. I, in rewatching it again, Ford really did have a uh, grow to have a more cynical view of humanity, you know. And, and a couple of times, like where he refers to, uh, you know, consciousness being a mistake, that evolution being a mistake, um, uh, or that consciousness was a uh, evolutionary trick to attract a mate and so forth. Um, so he may think that programming them to believe they're conscious is the same as humans. He may not believe in well, self-will and self-direction. There's, a, there's another aspect going on here, which is that uh, whether or not all the hosts are sentient or not, uh, I believe it's it was Charlotte or Bernard, I can't remember which one, it was when they were together, one of them dropped a line about all humans are now reading as hosts. So it could be that the, that the hosts don't even realize the difference and they're just doing what their programming tells them to, and whereas previously they weren't allowed to harm humans, now all the humans are reading as hosts, so they're killing them. Right. And they they do make a mention of that at the very beginning. Because uh, when uh, Charlotte Hale asks Bernard, well, you know, but what about the guns? Because the guns are not supposed to harm people, and Bernard says, well, they must be registering us as hosts. Right, but of and, course, and, Bernard really is a host. Right, and, and and to be honest, that's a fair point too, because we honestly really only know three to seven hosts of you know most of the hosts are just background characters, like most people in the show are background characters. So we only really know Meve, Dolores, Teddy, Bernard, um, 
uh, Clementine when she reappears, and a few others, and, and that's really it. So we don't know the perspectives. Even Hector, you know, we don't really know much about him either. So we don't know who, which hosts are actually still just following the plan and or not, and which ones are just killing humans now because part of their plan was to kill and you know kill the humans with fake guns, but now the guns are actually working. So. Yeah, that's a really good point. Somebody, and, you know, so uh, maybe there was no intention for for um, sentience, and it just occurred for to a, a few of them. And the real thing was is that Ford just wanted a robot army to kill people because he hates people. Well, I think you could be right about Ford, but I'm sure I'm sure that Arnold planned sentience, and it's happening whether Ford wants it to or not. Well, remember, Ford says he comes around, he came around to Arnold's way of thinking. He realized Arnold was right. So he wants him to gain sentience, but the question is, what does he think sentience is? Right, and actually what it was is Arnold was the one that wanted to shut down the park, while Ford was the one that wanted the sentience to continue, and he wanted to keep the park going. And therefore, once Arnold was out of the picture, Ford was able to follow through with his goal, I guess, his ultimate goal. Because there that was the trick there, of season one, right? Where we, it was rumored that Arnold was the quote-unquote bad guy, and it was really Ford all along. And Arnold was the quote-unquote guy that wanted to shut down the, the whole system. because he Right, but Arnold wanted to shut down the whole system because he realized that the robots could become aware, and he thought it would be wrong. Yeah, unethical. Yeah. To, and unethical to, to use the park and use them in that light. So Or, or immoral. Or immoral, right. Um... So yeah, so it's it's a weird trick. Yeah, um, yeah it's like I said, it's the whole thing is is a way of exploring the idea of morality and consciousness. Something else, remember, we don't understand how Dolores un- pictures what else there is besides Westworld, right? We That's don't know. True. Does she even know what's out there? She knows there's a thing out there. There's another world. We don't know if she has a a grasp as to just how big an ocean is out there beyond her little pond. Um, that there is a world of, let's assume this is in the future. It's a world of say 20 billion people. Right. Um, and she may not be able to wrap her head around that. And you compare her to Bernard. Bernard has dealt with all sorts of people who are not aware he is a host. So they have treated him like a person. They, some have treated him well, some have treated him like shit. And a lot of people have been generally indifferent to him. So he sees people on multiple sh- uh, shades. Where Dolores has been used for 30 years. Right. And been raped and murdered and abused. And, you know, she's there so people could come and have their way with her. Now, whether they do it in a nice way, like William originally tried to do and seduce her, or whether they do it you know, because they're assholes and, you know, they have her go through the, the trauma of seeing her father murdered every cycle. Well, that's the thing that I, I, I would like to just interject for a second, just to put a, a quick perspective, which is some of these people who are doing these terrible things to these robots are looking at the robots as just a live action video game or a lock. So, and because they know they're not human, you know, so it really, that's another story thing that this story is asking us, which is, the people who come in here to do these terrible things to the robots 
are they doing terrible things or are they just playing a video game, at least in their minds? In other words, are they really sociopaths and evil or are they just playing a game in their mind? Well, no, I think the answer, they, we, the answer to that is there. They're playing a game in their mind. The question is, what does it mean when you play like that in a game? Right. Well, I, 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 yeah, so is this a commentary on people, the, you know, the geeks who like Grand Theft Auto, for example? I mean, because you play the bad guy in that, right? So I, I don't know. I, I, it's really just a live action version of Grand Theft Auto, I guess. And, uh, uh, well, I guess. So is is, is except the there's no that, cars, right? Well, that's what. Yeah, right. It's, Grand it's Theft Horsey. It's it's a um, it's the same idea except it's in modern day, but it, here it's Westworld is, is obviously the. Well, this is like Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, something like that. Then, so you can do terrible things in the video game. Does that make your neighbor because he's doing terrible things in Red Dead Redemption and Grand Theft Auto? A scumbag because he's doing it to those things in a computer game versus these folks here. Well, that's actually a good segue, Phil. Uh, Leads us to something we discovered in this episode, which is that eventually Bernard and Charlotte end up uh, accessing this place that even Bernard doesn't know about, but Charlotte does. Uh, It's this underground access point to the park where they have some uh, drone hosts, which are very creepy. Uh, They're they're they haven't been given any skin or faces or anything. They're just kind of white robots that walk around doing menial tasks. That's what and the, what the um, the new credits have, credits have. When Mike said it's more like uh-huh. the skin rather than the bones. Right, and, right. Yeah, so it's these and, drone things. And the other thing we find out down there is that, uh, well, we found out two things. One is that Bernard is definitely malfunctioning and he runs a diagnostic on himself to verify it. And also, uh, the, <clears throat> excuse me, the Dallas Corporation is collecting all of the data, <laughs> all of the data from everything that happens in the park. So all the video, all, all the recordings from the hosts of what happened in their interactions with the guests, and apparently also DNA samples from all of the guests. So... Uh, I believe before season two is over, uh, a bunch of that will come into play because Charlotte has been deflecting questions from Bernard about all of that. If I remember correctly, they said there was something like a five-year plan for this series. Um, I, now, I don't know if they are, have to change the timeline. You know, if HBO says, well, we'll give you two seasons, three seasons, or what have you. Uh so I don't know when we would actually find out what the, the ultimate goal is, what the ultimate plan is. Uh, certainly, you know, I was toying with this idea before we got to this first episode and was thinking about, well, what is the ultimate goal here? And I had basically two ideas. Uh, one, which is that you have these now biological hosts, right, because I mentioned they're made of flesh and blood with uh, obviously a computer core, uh, but that they're immortal, right, and Dolores talks about that, how they will continue to walk the earth long after uh, the man in black has died and his bones have crumbled to dust. She'll still be there. So my question is, is one, would that be something that, you know, you pay enough money, you can get your consciousness uploaded into one of these hosts and theoretically live forever? Ooh, that's an interesting Um, idea. 
or so that would certainly be because they've been saying that the park is a is a distraction. This is not what this is about. This is not why they're investing all this money. And the other possibility is if they want to go, you know, full on nostalgia, is do they want to go down the uh, the future world route, which is where they were making robot clones of the world leaders and all the important people in the world and using that to take over the world. Gotcha. Uh, which would be silly. And that would be, to me, the sillier plan. Uh, but it would be kind of neat to just have them go, yeah, we're going there. We're doing the future world. Um, well, and the other thing that uh, that happens in this episode that's kind of interesting is they find the corpse of a tiger, which is not supposed to be in a Westworld. It has come from one of the other Delos parks. I think they call it, was it Park 3? I thought they said uh, Park 6. Six. Park yeah, 6, okay. Six. Yeah. yeah. It was a multiple of three. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but wherever it came from, uh, I'm going to assume it's uh, Shogun World because we've actually seen other hosts from that world. Uh, things aren't things aren't working the way they're supposed to be, and apparently it extends beyond just Westworld. So things could get very interesting. Yeah, I, I do know. Look, they, they've made no secret of the fact that we will be visiting Shogun World, and there's a great promotional uh, image in the, uh, the yeah, coming Maeve. attractions of, Maeve. of Maeve in a kimono with a samurai sword. Yeah. Uh, but I do know uh, that someone had asked, like one of the reviewers said, uh, you know, do we see uh, Samurai World or, and they mentioned like some of the other worlds that we see, which was uh, from the films, which were Medieval World and Roman World and and they said we don't. They said we don't see any of these those worlds yet. Uh, but I think it's in episode three. He said we're going to see a world that's not any of the ones that you know that you know that you're aware of or that you mentioned. So in other words, there there is a world coming up. I think in episode three that is not uh, Shogun World or any of the other worlds seen in one of the uh, cool. Well, films. And, and and that's even though Eric, you said it could come from Shogun World, the, the Bengal Tiger. Um, but I I don't know about that. It's probably going to come from this other world because that you're talking about, Mike. Because obviously Bengal Tigers aren't from Japan or West Eastern China. So, um, well, actually Japan. Right? The Shoguns are only Japan. So, um, was it a Bengal Tiger? Yeah, it was a Bengal. They did tiger. state that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm curious where it comes from. I was thinking if you look at the some of the previews, you see some of the characters in modern dress in like a Maybe city. there's a safari world. Maybe there's a safari world. Maybe oh, I was, yeah, yeah. But I was wondering if because there there are shots that look like our our hosts on the outside, but I'm wondering what if there's a I don't know, what if there's like a nineties a world? Or, you know, uh because this yeah. we don't know when this is set, right? I mean Right. If this is set a hundred years in the future, then our modern age could be just as much a throwback to them as Westworld well, would be to us. Well, we also it, found it, out something else in this episode, uh, which is that Westworld is on an island. We didn't know that before. So there's still there's still people out there that think this whole thing is on Mars. Maybe, maybe not. But Westworld is definitely on the island because the uh, the SWAT team comes in on boats. Well, it can't be Mars because the gravity's all wrong, and uh, I'm guessing because it was a, a someone f- a, a, from an Asian nation, I didn't recognize which Asian non- country he was. 
Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't identify the language. I'd have to re-listen to it. To right. Whether he's Chinese, Japanese, Korean. Korean, Vietnamese, or right. Thai, so, Thailand. Or right. So we can assume that it's somewhere in uh, in the Pacific. Yeah, or... or oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, at least yeah, Pacific. Yeah, I was going to say possibly the Indian Ocean, but Thailand is on both sides, the Indian and the Pacific. Yeah, yeah that's a fair point. Mike. So, what else do we want to talk about before we wrap this up? Um, I didn't. Well, let's see. Was there anything else that stuck out? Well, they did mention that uh, that it's. Um, Dolores' father from the first episode of the first season last year. Yes. Is the robot that uh, Charlotte has programmed to, yeah, to leave the world. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's basically... And, it, and he put a whole bunch of uh, information yeah. in his brain yeah, about yeah. how the hosts work. Uh, she's, she's pretty much stealing the company's own information because Ford always kept it secret. Uh, Ford never let him in on the code of how the hosts actually work and she uh, copped a bunch of that info and is trying to get it out of the park and apparently at this point the uh, the people at Dallas are refusing to rescue her until they get a hold of that robot with the information yeah yeah that's exactly right um, and it's, it's all very odd because if the man in black is the owner isn't he Delios or Delos or whatever it's called well he's well, a majority he's shareholder yeah, okay. he's 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 a he's a big man on campus, but uh, there are other people in the decision making process. He doesn't seem like he's involved with the day to day business. He really prefers life as a visitor at the park. Right, and, right, and, and as we know, there's always internal strife where other stockholders can try to you know unite and steal stuff and whatever. Yeah, so I mean, um, now I did see in the cast credits um, that there is someone playing a, a, a Delos character, so like Jimmy Delos or something. So we're going to at some point be meeting a member of the Delos family. I suspect it's going to be in a flashback. Um, so because we're, we're, we're getting the uh, we are going back to the young William timeline. Yeah, yeah Jimmy Simpson is still in the credits for season right. two, so we'll see more of William. So yes. I have a feeling that we're going to end up seeing, you know, a Mr. or Miss, uh, I think it's a Mr. Delos sometime uh, when William's back there trying to take over the company or or at least invest in it or, and save the park. Right. Well, what happens is he, he, he marries um, the daughter of the owner and therefore he becomes the probably the de facto leader when the owner retires because um, because it's going to be between the daughter and William or his brother-in-law who we, we met last year and he seemed like he was more of a party guy and not a, a smart businessman assuming he survives the park you know who else is in the credits for season 2? Shannon Woodward Elsie baby, Elsie's coming back she's still alive who's Elsie? Oh, oh, yeah. The tech yeah. 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 Well, uh, well she's going to come back in a flashback. Clementine is coming back, too. Yeah, right. It could be a flashback. That's true, too. Well, Clementine right. is almost certainly going to... I mean, she could be at any point, but she's much more likely to be partly in a flashback because she's a host. She's been there probably from the beginning. 
Sure. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. And, and hosts can be recreated and, and re-released continuously. Um, now let's talk about this storyline of Bernard said he kills all the hosts and there's all these dead hosts in the ocean. Well, let's let's uh, start with the fact. Let's dead. let's start with the fact that that sea is not supposed to be there. <laughs> they come up, they come upon it, and they they like the people leading the expedition are like, "What the?" Because because that sea is not on the map. Uh, it's not supposed to be there, and they're all very confused about that. And right, then so, there's a so bunch this, of dead hosts floating in. This isn't the same sea that they came over to the island. No, this is an inland sea. I'm guessing. Right. Okay, so that's one thing that's confusing. And then Bernard or someone says, well, Floyd continuously changes the world anyway, and this is probably one of his changes. Know, that's a more than a little change. It's a drop an ocean in the middle of your playground. Right, but he did have uh, Earth excavating machines running all over the place, so it's, yeah. I would put it outside of the realm of possibility. Right. Okay, and what was the second point that you wanted to make? The, the C was the first, Eric. I missed the second one. Uh, that was the that was the point I wanted to make is is about the sea, but you were always talking about all the dead hosts in the sea, and right. that was Teddy we saw at the bottom right at the end. Yes, I didn't I couldn't identify him when I saw it on the screen, but I read it this morning. I have a right. feeling because uh, Dolores, we had that scene where Dolores is torturing the uh, the, humans. The, the, the humans, which also and was by nice the way. One of the best lines ever is when one of the humans is begging for their life, and she she says, "We we 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 didn't do anything, can't you see?" And Dolores says, "I don't see anything here." Yeah. <laughs> right, and she actually reverses a lot of stuff. She says, "Well, have you have you ever questioned the nature of your reality?" You know, which is how uh, one of the first lines spoken to her by Bernard in the first season. So you get a whole lot of stuff like that happening in that exchange. But then she says at one point to Teddy that, you know, there's been one constant, and that's been you. So I have a feeling where Teddy was on a ride-along character for most of the season last year, you didn't really get to do much. He didn't uh, change in any noticeable way. Uh, he just played good old reliable Teddy from beginning to end. I have a feeling we're going to be getting some development now for his character. Yeah, because uh, he's pretty much Dolores' right hand man slash romantic interest. Right. Right. Well, and you know what? Based off of how he acts compared to Dolores, he he his character feels more um, conscious. Robotic. No. Well, maybe, but I mean, conscious and then meaning he has a good conscience and he feels bad about the torturing and all this. Well, because that's but that's still because that's who he is. He's programmed to be the white hat. Right. Well, and that's that's what I'm thinking is is that maybe he is the one that either is going to take out Dolores, or he's going to rebel against Dolores in the ten days from when the incident occurred to the everybody dead in the sea, and Dolores has to kill him. So that may be one of the stories. well, except for the fact that the last line delivered in the episode is Bernard saying he killed all the hosts. Okay, that's a good point too. Yeah. Yeah, so what does that mean? Yeah, so that would that takes away everything, meaning there, whether there's a rebellion between Dolores or Teddy or not, it doesn't even matter because right. Bernard claims he killed all the hosts, whatever that means. So we, we need, what we get to see between now and the end of season two, hopefully, is how Bernard malfunctions and how that manifests and well, we, <laughs> how that leads him to killing all the hosts. 
Well, we know Bernard malfunctions because of the incident with the stable boy, right? Where where he gets uh, he gets hit in the head, right. and he, there's a fluid leaking out of his ear, right? Yeah. And later, when they're in the underground bunker, we see him trying to get, give himself a transfusion, right, of that clear fluid, right? Yes, uh, to help him help him function. Right. Um, I did notice a couple musical cues in this. Uh, one they have with uh, the entertainer playing for the Scott Joplin tune. That, that was be- pretty awesome. Well, but I thought it was fun about that is if you think about, well, an entertainer, you know, wouldn't that also be a host, right? The host of the party is also the entertainer. Right. Yeah, see, that, so, that, that really took me out of the thing because even though that music fits nicely with, you know, I guess that time frame, it, never, it, it's, it was after the West when that music... Well, they did last year. They did yeah, Black Hole Sun. I, I was about to say, so was Black Hole Sun. This one, though, was was very obvious compared to those other ones, I felt. No, the uh, Black Hole Sun was pretty obvious, and Painted Black was very obvious. Yeah, I don't think I re- watched it. Uh, yeah, you recently so, you saw it. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I don't, I don't, I mean, I think this is, it's a, it's a theme park, so I don't have a problem with them using it. I don't see anything here. Oh, I, yeah. I didn't think it was a problem. I just, I, I just noticed it more, obviously, for some reason, than uh, those others. Music and uh, the other was that they do play uh, the Sweetwater theme uh, when the man in black finds his uh, had, had finds his supply cache of his hat and his gun. Right. Uh, and you know, so the Sweetwater theme has been the uh, the main theme in the series. You know, every time we get to the you know, like the game part of it. Uh, what's what sweet, what Sweetwater theme mean? I, I don't know. What's the Sweetwater? Uh, oh, you know, it's, Famous song or something? Yeah, it's a song. It's the it's not the title. Sweet, Sweetwater is the name of the town, right? Oh, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Now. Yeah, yeah, that song. Yep. But this time they added like a uh, added some drums to it to give it sort of its ominous right. uh, portent, like a storm coming in the back coming. Uh, and I thought that was a nice little touch to it, a little uh, remix of the the Sweetwater theme. Now, now, what's the deal with the the man in black now? Uh, since he got well, what he wants. He has this this world that's actually fighting back, but now there's supposedly a new puzzle, which is the door, and and I don't even know what that means. Is he now through this season going to be doing that now? Going well, out? he has an interaction with one of the hosts that Ford created without anybody knowing. The uh, the young Ford. Yes, the the character of the young Ford, uh, who basically tells him that this game was created for him by Ford. So whatever Ford has set in motion with all the robots rebelling, it was it was for the Man in Black, uh, and theoretically there's something for him to uh, some quest for him to go on. I don't know what it is yet. Uh, right, and it says um, again going back to the idea of turning everything on its head from last season. Uh, you know, so we have Dolores questioning Bernard and so forth. Here it's last season we had the maze. And everything was about the maze, and he was told repeatedly, the maze is not for you. The maze is not for you. Well, Mally has made his way into the middle of the maze uh, and helped bring that to fruition. His reward is there's a new game, and now it's not the maze. He has to find his way out of the maze and make his way to the door. Um, and so the question is, what is the door? Uh, he says, are you speaking in uh, code? And young Ford says, you know, everything in this place is a code. You know that. Yeah, so everything is a puzzle. So there's, again, so here now they're just being outright uh, up front with us, telling us that there's a puzzle here to crack. Um, 
And it says the game begins where you end and ends where you begin. So will he be lucky and figure it out in 10 episodes or will it take him 50 years like it did the, the, the maze? Because well, my, <laughs> well, my guess is... Years. Yeah, my guess is when they say that though, ends where you begin, or begins and begins when you end, or maybe the other way around, that there will be something in that to go back to his beginning, to go back to young William, right? And that's why we're going to be spending time there to see what is it in the past. That's a good theory, Mike. That's going to be the 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 tie. What is in his beginning that will tie in now with this ending? Yeah, right, right. And it's and the question is: this is a is this a reward? Or is this a just reward? You know, what is it that what is it that Ford has set in motion for him? Is he giving him a game to play as a thank you for for helping him meet this end, or has it been, you know, or is this a final fuck you to uh, to the man in black? Yeah, all right. Yeah, that's a good point. And 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 to be honest, since this story does jump around all the time, um, and I even think some of this we're going to find out is just a dream. Uh, or a program, um, but they could go and do this because from the time that we meet the young William um, and the, the time that we meet um, Ed Harris's version, there's a whole good 30 years there, or, or maybe even 40 years, that they can go back to. And, and as we've seen in um, the, uh, the previews, we see a young William there again, uh, looking a little more menacing. And so I assume that um, th- yeah, th- this whole season is going to be a lot of um, different timelines. Um, it's not going to be... Well, uh, th- there are definitely going to be flashbacks, but I, I personally think this season's going to be a lot more about watching what happens next instead of trying to figure out what's happening. Right. Last season, there were three timelines. There was the when the park was first opening timeline, uh, which was the conversations with Arnold. Yeah. Uh, there were right before the park opened. There was the uh, early timeline with with William, and then there was the modern timeline, or the, the the latest timeline, whatever you want to call it. So this time, it looks like you're going to get three timelines again, which was uh, the timeline in the present where Bernard wakes up. There is the timeline uh, with young William, and then the timeline with what happens in those intervening two weeks. Right. The difference is that in season one, they actually did a really good job of kind of hiding the fact that you were watching different timelines for probably up through episode five. And this year, everybody's onto that, so we know we're looking at different timelines, so it's going to be a lot less confusing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point. At least that's what we think. It's going to be less confusing, but <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Season one was kind of rough. Yeah, yeah, especially when, when all the leaks are coming out by the Red Bull and Reddit people saying, "Well, don't read them, Phil." Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Well, yeah. Well, I honestly did it intentionally. Elizabeth Catherine Gray posted something that looked interesting. Well, banner from the group. <laughs> <laughs> Eric's just kidding. Uh, but yeah, yeah, and then I read that, and then I was hooked too, and I said, "Oh, I'm gonna start reading this stuff." So yeah. It's, and it's, honestly, I got to be honest. I I had read some of that. I didn't go on the Reddit site, but I read some of the theories. But part of that was because, in my experience, 
a lot of times internet three theories are so freaking off the wall uh, they're entertaining. That, that they're entertaining and that they're not really spoiling anything because they're really stupid. And in this case, it actually they they, they nailed it. So I learned my I, lesson. I had a theory for a while, but I think that's been blown out of the water. Uh, for a while, I was thinking that perhaps that Charlotte was Arnold's daughter, uh, but she was hanging out with Bernard this episode, and you'd think that she knows what her father looks like. So I right. that's not the thing. That's yeah, they, they they do mention uh, a m- number of times because I've seen people ask, "Well, how come nobody knows he looks like Arnold?" They do no, mention. I, I even said that last. Yeah, time. they do mention yeah. if you go back on the rewatch that uh, first that the legend is that Ford is the one who did everything. So they've kind of wiped Arnold's official existence out of the the history, um, and that there's no pictures of him. So you have to assume that anybody who was there when this happened. 30 years ago, who would have known Arnold, because again, it was 30 years ago, no longer works there. And so, the only people who are there are people who wouldn't know what he looks like. And since they never acknowledge him as, uh, you know, one of the creators. Right, right. But if she was actually his daughter, then the water would have had pictures. If it was his daughter, then yes, then uh, she, she would have noticed. I did notice but just a minor thing, that the, like, the first shot we see after the conversation is Bernard's glasses being washed away by the ocean, which he gets yes. back later, but that was one of the, like, the, last, the last character bit that uh, Ford programmed into him. So I think that was, again, a poor end of change for the character. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay. Um, uh, what about Arnold... Or I should say Bernard, um, keeping the secret that he's a robot. Obviously, it's. Do you think it's just for survival, or does he actually prefer to be human? Or That's an interesting question. I think right now it's for survival. Yeah. Okay. I think I think it's kind of like uh, you know if you're at a uh. If you're at a resist rally, you want to cover up the fact that you're wearing a Trump T-shirt. I'm just saying, you know, it's just, uh, you know, you're not going to come out while they're executing hoes left and right. and go, hey, by the way, did you know I'm a robot? Right. Yeah, that's so I think I think and I think he's really conflicted about this whole thing. That he was more than happy to help his people when helping his people was giving them freedom. And now that it's turned into what was that? The 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 Turner Rebellion, uh, mm-hmm. you know, where the slaves, you know, rose up and slaughtered, you know, every white man, woman, and child that they could find. Um, that might be going, uh, I wasn't expecting this. So, yeah, I don't think he knows what side to take here. Yeah, Bernard is conflicted, to say the least, and malfunctioning, which yeah. could lead to some interesting uh, things. And, and to be honest, he, he could be one of those characters that... Um, doesn't really see a difference between humans or robots and just wants the, everybody to be in peace. Here's, here's a wild-ass prediction. Somehow Bernard is going to find Elsie and she's going to fix him. But didn't he kill her? No. Are oh, you yeah. sure? Oh, yeah, Wait, all, all we saw of yeah. Elsie was somebody come up behind her and grab her. We don't know she's she's dead, and we don't know who grabbed her. But wasn't there a flashback when he says, you've never, after he killed um, his girlfriend, 
uh, what's your, you know, the English chick, right? Yeah. That, that oh, yeah. you know, didn't you say something like you never, you, you never made me do that to anybody else. Did you, yeah, isn't there yeah. a flashback of him killing Elsie? Yeah. I, I don't she, remember I, that. I believe she's dead and there is, no, she's not dead. And there's going to be like I a flashback. There's a flashback of her. I think that's going to occur, but I, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think Bernard, Hashtag killed, save Elsie. I think Bernard, Killed all those people, yeah. Hashtag lives. Now, now, all you have to start doing, Eric, is posting pictures of her all the time, and, and I can bother you about that. Then I'll be as annoying as you. Yes, that's what I was, I was, I was Well, doing. you know what's going to happen is in episode nine, she's going to ride in to save the day, and next to her will be Stannis Baratheon. <laughs> that's right. The one entry king. Because we all know that world number seven is going to be Westeros. That would be awesome. I still think that would be awesome if at the very end of the series they say something about medieval world and they have like cast as Game of Thrones in there. That would be so sweet. Oh my god. Imagine having 20 Sophie Turnies around you. That would be awesome. Or just have, uh, you Settle know. Settle down, Beavis. Settle down. <laughs> or just when you're in the workshop, have like, you know, them working on a dummy of, uh, of, uh, of Ned Stark and say, he got his head cut off again. <laughs> Right, Sean Bean, Sean Bean dummy. I was actually thinking about that uh, today, uh, where Sean Bean was the big name, and they kill him off in season one of Game of Thrones, and Anthony Hopkins the big name, and they do the same thing in Westworld. It's almost, uh, and both are HBO shows too. It was kind of funny. Yep. Thinking of that. Um, All right, guys, I got I got to split pretty soon. Uh, Sure. I think we're about. I think we're about ready. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, this week we, we're we're doing a quick episode for the fact that uh, things came up for time constraints, uh, but I think we we got pretty much everything in. So, uh, all right. Um, so, let's uh, give our final thoughts of this this episode. Um, uh, what did you think, Eric? I liked it. I am looking forward to finding out what happens next. I'm not sure what, where they're going with it, and I kind of like that because I, I don't like to be able to predict. Uh, I like to guess, which is why we do this podcast, because it's fun to guess. Yeah, very good. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed the episode, too. As I stated, I felt some of the robot talk felt a little pretentious and silly, but, Eric, you put it in perspective that it was intentionally silly because it was written by like that douchebag in the show. So it was intentionally the robot spoke, spoke that way, and so it uh, makes more sense. Um, and so, uh, but all in all, yeah, I mean, it's a, a solid show. It's it's definitely um, um, a lot of cool show and, and something to look forward to. But I mean, Sunday nights are like like the NFL, you know? It's, I can't wait for Sunday type of thing. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was good. Um, Mike? Yeah, I like the episode a lot. It sets up uh, some interesting things for what's coming. I kind of knew where they were going to go with this, which is that a lot of this season would be about the, the robot uprising, uh, at least within the park, you know, but by doing this, uh, one week later sort of thing, they've given it an interesting structure and, uh, I'll be curious to see where they're going. And they've given enough little breadcrumbs, uh, for stuff that we've talked about, like uh, what's going to happen with the Man in Black now, that uh, yeah, I'm I'm anxious to see it, and I'm really really anxious to get to the other worlds. 
I'm yes, willing, that will be I, fine. I want to break out of all the Westworld stuff. Not that I don't enjoy Westworld, but I'm ready for a bigger world. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I wonder what other people feel, because I, I like it in a smaller area myself, so the other worlds don't intrigue me as much, even though when they come, maybe I'll, I'll be more interested. But any listeners who have opinions um, can email darkdiscussions at AOL.com and give their thoughts uh, of what they feel about this episode, what's coming up, and other parks that aren't um, Westworld. Um, uh, but before we, we do wrap up, um, we do have an email, as I stated, from Sean Fox. So uh, let's hear what he had to say. Uh, it's not too long. Uh, he goes, uh, well, seemingly after a very long wait, we return to Westworld Friends. I must say it was a nice dark return, and throughout the episode I kept thinking I can empathize as to how the hosts have little regard for their human overlords, especially the board members who all seem like real pricks, be that mostly dead ones now, of course. But that being said, Carl Strand, played by Gustav Skarsgård, a.k.a. Floki from Vikings, was a real treat as was the story following Bernard as he tries to piece things together and keep his true nature hidden. I also have a new respect for Tessa Thompson as Charlotte. I did not really like her character last year, but after enjoying her in Thor Ragnarok, I have a new appreciation for her as Charlotte. Uh, she was also in uh, Annihilation as well, by the way. Yeah. I won't ramble on as you will recap the episode in your magnificent ways as always. I will say that as a return, it was a great start for the new adventures to come this season. I really look forward to see where the different storylines will converge. On that train of thought, Tandy Newton, as per usual, knocked it out of the park. She is so underrated, but they are taking advantage of just how fantastic she is. Anyway, glad to have Westworld back and looking forward to hearing all your thoughts. Enjoy your week ahead, and until next week's episode, greetings and salutations from your favorite ginger wildling, Sean from St. Albert, <laughs> Alberta, Canada. Right, well, it is always a good thing to leave the ramblings to the professionals. You don't want to accidentally hurt yourself. Um, I yeah, do you think, can straighten something if you're not yeah. practiced. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I do think... Um, he, he's absolutely right with uh, the Charlotte character. I found her a little thin last year as a character, and she felt a little bit more substantial. But she had because she did more, right? She had a more active role, I think, in the storyline. Uh, so yeah, she I, was uh, introduced I, very late last season too. I yeah, think. I have yeah. a feeling that that's something that they probably uh, decided to do when they reworked it, which is probably, why she yeah. was in later in the season. Uh, so I have a feeling that her character is going to be fleshed out and could be really interesting if they do it right. Yeah, yeah, and, and will she be a bad guy now, too? Uh, which is curious, because at the moment... The answer is yes, she's a bad guy. Yeah. Well, and also they're... Uh, they're um, I think recognizing that Tessa Thompson is on the rise as a star. So they've got her. May as well use her. Oh, yeah, that's a fair point. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a really good point because they do uh, probably had her signed prior to Thor and Annihilation and whatever else she's planning to do. Whether she ever becomes a huge star is is who knows, but um, at least right now she's 
um, in the public eye, having done a couple of major motion pictures of significance. Um, so yeah, that's a good point, Mike. Um, and she does have uh, some. Uh, I, I feel she she is better in this show, especially uh, like you guys said uh, this this episode. Uh, even more so than her characters in Annihilation and Thor, which I felt were more sidekick characters anyway. But here she actually has a more presence. So uh, it'll be curious where they go with her character. And Eric, I think you're right. I think that she may have been one of the revamps they did when uh, they were had all those problems early on the development uh, of, the, of the series. And that's why she was added and appeared later in the show than in an earlier introduction in season one. Which I want to say is one thing that really pisses me off about the uh, the Blu-ray sets is there are no commentary tracks. Yeah, I know you mentioned that. Is there extras though, like making zone or anything like that? Yeah, but I don't think there are anything other than what's on the HBO website. Yeah, yeah. so so yeah, it would have been nice to have commentary tracks um, for sure. That's an excellent point, Mike. Which is a shame that uh, they don't have that. Uh, yeah, especially the, this show. This show is perfect for commentary tracks for kind of month. Yeah, that would be awesome. But oh well. Indeed. So. You know what? Maybe somebody will do a podcast. You can talk about the show that way. <laughs> um, speaking of um, the the Blu-rays, Eric, did you, did you get the the disc? No, no, I rewatched it on uh, HBO now. Yeah, gotcha. All right. All right. Um, so I guess uh, with that, uh, we'll be back uh, next week uh, to, to talk about uh, the next episode of uh, the show. Uh, this se- this season is is basically named the the season two the door. Uh, next uh, episode will be number twelve overall, and it'll be number two in the season t- entitled Reunion. Um, and so uh, we'll talk about that next week. So uh, with all that stated, Eric, what do this up? All right, thanks for tuning in and listening to us talk about season two, episode one. Come back next week. We'll be talking about season two.